Hello and welcome to Amen Podcast, where we preach the good news of Jesus Christ and how it applies to everyday life. I'm Lokalani, your host, and today my husband Alex will be preaching about how God is good. When we say God is good, what does that mean? Well, it means that he's 100% good. Everything he does is good, and everything that he allows to happen to us is ultimately for our good. How others treat us, God uses for our good. Our life circumstances, as difficult and dark as they may seem, they are for our good. And most importantly, God's discipline in our life is for our good. Hebrews 12.6 says he disciplines the one he loves. So in this episode, we will explore God's goodness and how it will transform our perspective to live life confidently, and hopefully it'll give us an increased desire to love God's word. I'm going to read the text, which is Psalms 119 verses 65 through 72, and then Alex will take it away. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart, I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Amen. God is good. That's something that we hear a lot. We say it a lot. We say it in conversation when you run into people at Starbucks. Hey, how you doing, brother? Oh, man, God is good. Mm-hmm. You know, what does that actually mean? What about the people who are experiencing um, a side of life that is dark and hard? Is God good to them? Mm-hmm. Well, it sure doesn't feel like it at times, but God's nature and his word are inseparable. Jesus is the word of God in the flesh is God's word. So when the Bible says in Genesis that God spoke things into existence, that was Jesus making the universe Mm. with his father's gladness upon him. You know, when my sons draw and make stuff, I look at it and I'm like, wow, that's so cool. And there's gladness that I have as a father that falls upon my son as he creates. That was Genesis. That was the creation account. The word of God made flesh, became a human, born from Mary, a virgin, lived a perfect life, and everything Jesus did reflected God's character. Mm. This is why when heavens open up at Jesus' baptism, and what does God the Father say? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. It happens another time. Peter, James, and John are on top of a mountain. Jesus is transfigured, which basically means his glory actually shines through his fleshly earthly body and it shows that he's like shining as bright as the sun like so so bright they fall to their knees they're astonished they're frightened the bible says and peter says something out of place out of pocket and what does god say again this is my son listen to him god's word and his character are inseparable Mm -hmm. and what we realize in god's word is god's word is always good for us whatever he says to us is always good for us He never says something out of pocket Mm. like us. He never says something that's not good for us. Everything he says is good for us. And that's because in his character, he is good. Before I pray, another thing that comes to mind, Narnia. The kids in Narnia, uh, Peter, Edmund, Susan, Lucy, they haven't met Aslan yet, the king. 
And one of the beavers says, we got to go meet Aslan. And he's, they're like, he's a lion. Like, is he safe? And they say, no, he's not safe, but he's good. Hmm. As a Christian, you're going to be put in unsafe situations at times. By unsafe, I mean, maybe you could be like the apostles, Peter, James, and John, and Paul, and all these guys who were killed for their faith. There's Christian brothers and sisters that you don't know of. Check out vombibles.com. They are an organization that sends Bibles all over the world to places where while they're bringing Bibles, they're getting shot. Mm -hmm. While they have a backpack camouflaged full of Bibles, they're getting shot for the Lord today as you're listening to this. So maybe that's you. You're put in unsafe situations for the gospel. But some of those situations you might be in are just unsafe because of your emotional state, because of your mental state. You're going to be put in very challenging places where you're going to be thinking emotionally and mentally, this is not safe for me. You might even say, this is not good for my mental health. And God says, sometimes the best thing for your mental health is to push your mental health to the limit so you can see how good I am and see how, how my grace is sufficient for you. It, this is the thing that Paul always says. He has this thorn in his side. We don't know what the thorn is. but Whatever it is, it was something that was so hard something that made his life feel not safe. And God said, I'm not taking away this thorn, Paul, because you're seeing how good I am through this hardship, through mm -hmm. this unsafetyness. Father God, thank you so much. Um, before we even got into the word, you're already speaking to us. And I see what you're just trying to reveal to me through studying this text all week. And I pray it just blesses someone, helps someone today. Thank you for our new setup. You know, Thank you for the donors that have gotten us these chairs um, and the AC because we're in an addict. <laughs> so thank you, God, for just you know the microphones and all the things that our, our donors help us get so that we can continue to preach your word. And we're excited just to give you more. We're excited for new, more episodes in the future and more people just being reached with your word and hearing the good news of Jesus Christ and how it applies to our life every day, God. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Haven't even started my message yet. Verse 65 of Psalms 119. We're in a series, Psalms 119. Each episode lately has been um, eight verses at a, at a time. Because if you turn to 119 of Psalms, that's how your Bible most likely separates it. It's uh, Each eight verses is a different letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And all the verses in that eight-verse stanza start with that letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So we're on episode one, two three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We, the last nine episodes have been in Psalms 119. It's a great series. And this one is about God being good. Verse 65, you have dealt, dwelt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. However God deals with you is good. He will deal with you with some heavy stuff at times. Mm -hmm. He's going to allow some heavy stuff at times. We're going to talk about what that is and why he does that. However God deals with you is good. However God deals with you is gracious because he always deals with us according to his word. What's his word? His word is his promise. What's his promise? He will be your God and you shall be his people. He doesn't break that. When you put your trust in Jesus and, and you trust that he took your sins on the cross, made you justify with God, set you apart, put his Holy Spirit inside of you, made you a priest unto the Lord, and a, and a child, not of wrath, but a child of God, and you believe that he rose again from the grave, and you believe that you're going to rise, when you trust in Jesus, 
God deals with you according to his word because you're a child of his promise now. However he deals with you is going to be good. Verse 66, teach me good judgment and knowledge for I believe in your commandments. This is the part that I really wanted to share all week because when God opened this up to me, I was like, wow, this is so heavy. Good judgment and knowledge. Not everybody has it. Everybody wants to have it. Everybody thinks they have it, especially on social media and comment sections. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, the two don't, the two come together and they can't be separated. If you separate knowledge and judgment, then what happens is your judgment becomes bad. Good judgment and knowledge come from wisdom. The Bible tells us that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord means respecting God, not, be a, not being afraid of him, but respecting his power, respecting how, um, how in charge he is. God is like the sun, right? I learned this in a little show called Allegories. It's a Christian show. It's like, I don't know how I can say it. it's a new VeggieTales, but it's like a kind of like a VeggieTales-esque thing. Um, really biblical though. Mm -hmm. And, um, some of my favorite pastors were involved with it and my sons were watching it and they were saying how in this episode, God is like the sun. Why? He's powerful, right? All powerful. He keeps everything alive and respecting the sun. We don't stare directly into the sun. Why? Respect for it, <laughs> fear for it, mm -hmm. right? Reverence for it. Why? The sun is not like anything else in the world. We can't just stare at the sun. God, so many times in scripture, he says, you can't look at me or you're going to die. He says it to Moses. I'm going to put you in this cleft of a rock and then I'm going to pass by. You can see like my sliver of my back, but you can't see me because you'll die. Fear, respect. He's all powerful. And he could come back while you're listening to this episode. When you're driving your car, washing dishes, whatever it is you're doing right now, sitting in your room, you know, maybe you're in between classes, maybe you're on the bus stop, whatever you're doing. God could come back in the middle of this episode. Realizing that, accepting that is reverence and fear for the Lord. What that looks like practically is not just going into a dark room, sitting on your hands and just shivering. It means obeying him. Do what he says. Obey him. My kids, in a healthy way, they fear me. There's, I've seen my oldest son, his behavior completely change um, from when he was three years old, like his three-year-old brother four years old, he is the type of kid that he's, at, at this point, he's hardly ever getting in trouble with us because he just knows there's certain stuff I just don't do. And his little brothers are doing all those things right now, but he doesn't do those things. Why? Fear for his parents, fear for obeying them. He, he's learned what it means to be a child and for us to be a parent. And that comes through obedience. Mm -hmm. So that tells us this, obedience is the answer obedience is the response to fear for the lord and if fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom then that means obedience leads to wisdom and we know wisdom comes from not with, with wisdom comes knowledge and good judgment so if you look at people in your life who are lacking knowledge and then god tells us this my people perish why a lack of knowledge well, where can they get knowledge from wisdom how can they get wisdom from obeying god And if you have knowledge, you'll have good judgment. This word judgment, it translates into the word taste, right? And so have you ever seen someone like wear something and you're like, man, that is like the ugliest shirt I've ever seen. You've probably watched this podcast and be like, wow, why did Alex wear that shirt? Or why did Alex cut his hair? Why did, why did Alex have blonde hair for a long time? Bad taste. Here's a story. 
I was in middle school. I was in band. I played trumpet. I was like 27, <laughs> 27th chair. I was so bad at it, but I just wanted to belong somewhere. And so I went to JCPenney with like my mom and she's like, you can pick out whatever you want. I picked out this pink shirt, hot pink shirt, highlighter pink that said, real men wear pink. <laughs> and I wore it to school for some reason. And all the kids, all the guys in my band class are like, oh, here comes a real man. Uh -huh. Here comes a real man. And it, right away I understood sarcasm. And I just, it hit me so hard. I'm like, why am I wearing this shirt? Bad taste, bad judgment, bad decision making. Without knowledge, Christians, non-Christians, humans in general will have bad judgment. The only way to get knowledge so our, our decision making, and our judgment can change is to get it from wisdom. The only way to get wisdom is to get it from God. The only way to get it from God is obeying God, having reverence and respect for him. Verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Affliction is a strange thing. Affliction is an important thing. Affliction is a part of our life every day. God allows you to be afflicted. He allows you to experience his affliction. Some affliction is going to come from your own life, your own mistakes. Some of it's going to come from God. Affliction simply just means trouble. It simply means just a bad day. And those sometimes God is going to ordain some of that for you. And sometimes you're going to put yourself in that. Our psalmist today, he's writing this whole chapter in light of warfare, in light of having a deep love for God and having people respond to him negatively for that, for obeying God. He's writing all these things on the back of all those things he's experiencing. So this whole book, really, this whole chapter is about affliction. And it's about what he's going through and how the word of God is his comfort. My father-in-law, you know, he listens, he was listening to a podcast and he just shared something that I believe Steve Larson said. And he said, um, preaching. God's word is for afflicting the comfortable and giving comfort to the afflicted. And that's what the psalmist is trying to get us to understand. Whatever you're going through right now, think of Daniel. Daniel was put in a situation where the people, you know, in leadership closest to him hated him. What do they do? They threw him into a den of lions because he chose to obey God. That's affliction that God allowed. God put Daniel in a situation to show the king and everyone else in the land that he is the one true God. And what happened? The king realized that and threw the guys that threw Daniel into the lion's den. And they got eaten by the lions and Daniel didn't. There's affliction that comes from God, but there's affliction that we run into on our own, mm -hmm. right? Peter denying Jesus. He experiences the deepest, darkest depths of sorrow and depression in those three days. Why? He denied his best friend. There's going to be times where you are just mourning and you're hurting and you're like, how did I get in this situation? People um, who make mistakes. When you have a child out of wedlock, the child is not a mistake, but sometimes we make mistakes. The child is a gift from God, mm -hmm. but being a single parent is hard. Talk about mm -hmm. affliction. Um, divorce is never intended by God. God Plain and simply, he does not like divorce because it's a, it's a horrible picture of what our relationship with God is like. And so it happens, though, because we're broken people. It happens because 
bad stuff happened. Bad decisions are making, are being made. And the thing is, affliction sometimes comes because of our own decisions or because of the decisions of people close to us. Sometimes we could be in affliction because someone has done something close mm -hmm. to us and it's affected us. Mm -hmm. There's all different types of affliction. Mm -hmm. What God wants to show him is this. Before your affliction, you went astray, but now I keep your word. What affliction does is it teaches us what's most valuable. It teaches us to put everything else aside and to trust in God. There's also the type of affliction that is not necessarily would be labeled bad or good. It's just hard. So like parenting, right? Parenting is something that I'm going through that is so hard for me. And it, I experience affliction in it, but it's an affliction that it's not a bad, what's happening isn't bad. What ha what's happening to me isn't necessarily like, this is so good, but it's just parenting sinners. All four of my kids are sinners. I'm a sinner. And then parenting this as a sinner is hard. It's affliction. But what is it doing? It's telling me, it's keeping me close to God's word. It's keeping me in this book. I know if I take a day off from obeying this book, from studying this book, from reading this book, it'll directly affect my relationship with my kids. It'll affect how I parent that day. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. To go astray means to go off the path that God has for him. That's what the psalmist is saying. What happens when the sheep go astray? In Psalms 23, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Mm -hmm. But the rod and staff, they're not comforting instruments. The rod was used to, at times, to chastise, discipline the sheep. Sometimes if the sheep was really astray, like your boy, God or the shepherd, the good shepherd would have to break the leg of the sheep so that it couldn't walk away. And he would, the shepherd would splint it up and carry the sheep so that the sheep learned as its leg is healing, stay close to me because I know what's best for you. I'm taking you to the green pastures. I'm taking you to the promised land. Stay close to me. And when it, when it was able to walk again, it would do that. At that point, it would only need the staff. The staff was that hooked thing. looks like a candy cane. And it would fit perfectly around the chest of the sheep. And all it would take is a gentle tug of that. As the sheep went away a little bit, gentle tug to get it back on the path. God will send affliction in your life sometimes to break you, to get you close to him. And once you're close to him and you've learned to keep his word, like Psalm 60, Psalms Verse 67 of Psalms 119 says, once you've learned that, now what will happen is all he'll need is that gentle tug of the spirit to keep you close to him. Verse 68, you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. God is good and only does good. Whatever God does will always be good. You know God is doing something in your life if it's good for you. And by good for you, what I mean is more freedom. Because if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the truth will set you free. Not your truth, not a truth, the truth. 
will set you free. The truth is capital T. Jesus, he just said in the same chapter, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only one that can set you free. Whatever truth you try to, try to find on your own, it's not going to set you free. God's truth, Jesus Christ, will set you free. You know something's good for you if it honors and exalts Jesus in your life. If it's exalting him, it's, it's Holy Spirit powered and it's from God. And that means it's good for you. And so look at the areas of your life and say, man, this is hard, but I'm pretty sure this is good for me because Jesus is being exalted in this. Mm -hmm. He's being seen in this. So that could be like, you may be in a season where you're extremely lonely. You have no friends. Mm -hmm. People are avoiding you like you have the plague. And you're like, what is going on in my life? Is this good for me? Is this good? Is this from God? Well, ask yourself, why are people avoiding you? Are you just not friendly? The Bible says he who wants a friend must first show himself friendly in the Proverbs. Are you not friendly? But if the answer is yes to that, and you're just going through a season like, you know, Jesus did, where on the cross, as he's carrying his cross, no one's around. They have to force a guy named Simon to carry the cross. Nobody wants to help out Jesus. There's lonely times like that. When John gets um, banished to the island of Patmos, lonely. Christian, Christians experience lonely stuff. Mm -hmm. Very lonely stuff. Moses. Think about how lonely it would be to be Moses. He is the one going up on the mountain on Mount Sinai, getting the law from God. He is the one coming down off the mountain, seeing all the people he loves and is trying to lead, has led out of Egypt with God's power and God's help, seeing them diss God. Imagine how lonely that is, you know, seeing his nephews die because they lit the wrong fire in God's temple and directly disobeyed and deliberately disobeyed God. Those are his nephews, Aaron's sons. Lonely man, Moses, because he's obeying God. He didn't, he had no one that could like really like be like, hey, I know how you're feeling. Only God. Mm -hmm. Abraham too. Even his own wife, Sarah, at times is like, I don't get what it is with you and this guy. What's going on? It's been decades since he's kept his promise to us. He said he's going to give us a son. Where's the son? When it finally happens, they finally get word. Um, they name Isaac. He laughs because it was a laughter thing to think that Sarah was going to get pregnant at this age. Lonely Abraham. Noah literally watched everyone on the planet die. That's lonely. Enoch. No one was walking with him. Enoch walked with God and God took him up to heaven. Sometimes Christianity is going to be lonely. Mm -hmm. But ask yourselves, is this good for me? Is God being exalted in my life? Mm -hmm. Am I walking like Enoch? Am I living by faith like Abraham? And I, am, I, am I charging the people, God, to obey regardless of what they think about me, like Moses? Am I doing those things? Then I'm right on the path that he's leading me on. And I'm not walking astray. You are good. And you do good. Teach me your statutes. The, the result to that, the response to that is God, teach me. Because I know you're good and I know you only do good. Verse 69, the insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart, I keep your precepts. The insolent, that means prideful. They're, they're trying to smear this guy's life with lies. Oh, he's just like a weirdo. You know, you know, he's really about this. He's kind of like, he's like cult-like, you know, he's just too serious, right? He just you know, everything's God this, God this, or he's like, he's kind of like a, he's a Bible thumper. 
is this is all the like the he's religious like these are all the kind of things that they throw onto a person who honors the word of god as the number one spot in their life and obey god to the fullest regardless of what people think anytime you live like that you're going to be smeared with lies they're going to do that he says but with my whole heart i keep your precepts whatever they're saying about me let them say it i know i'm obeying you mm-hmm. verse 70 their heart this prideful, insolent people is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your word. This unfeeling like fat, what that means is just dull. They, they're dull. They can't feel the Holy Spirit's guidance in their life. They're not, they're not feeling that gentle tug. They're not even, even the rod. Their heart is so hard, so unfeeling like fat, right? It's, think about the fat of like a cow, you know, this the extra fat around the part where they brand it. Right. And there's pain involved, right. With the branding, but these real fat areas, they're just unfeeling and dead. You know, it's just excess. Their, their life is covered with that. They're blind, right? The blind leading the blind. They can't see, they can't feel. You can get to a part like that. This is called a reprobate mind. Paul talks about it. You can just listen to so much nonsense. You can fill your mind with so much nonsense, fill your mind with so much comfort. You can get unfeeling like fat. You can get dull and hardened to God's word. He says, that is what my enemies are like. That is what the pride for are like. Pride comes before the fall. And the reason why pride comes before the fall is because you don't think you're anywhere near falling. And the thing is, you have all the warnings telling you, hey, you're about to fall off the cliff. You're so numb to that. You just trip right into it. He says, but I delight in your law. The reason why they're unfeeling like fat is because they, they've, they've eaten so much junk. They've filled their lives up with so much spiritual junk, so much mental junk, so much physical junk that they've become so fat with all this excess interruptions and distractions from God. How they get there, delighting in other places than the word of God. Mm-hmm. Mental unhealth spiritual unhealth, even physical unhealth, the root of it can come back to not delighting in the law of God. Not delighting. Delighting means to love God's law, to love what he means. If you, if you want to, to live a life where you are ready in season and out of season, like it says in Timothy, what that means is whether you want to or not, whether you're ready or not. In, that, in those seasons, if you want to obey God and trust God and let Jesus be seen as the highest seat in your life, the exalted place, your health is a huge part of that. Taking care of yourself is not for your own glory. It's so you can be ready to take care of God's business and to push God's kingdom. Think about the type of life that John the Baptist lived. He, he decided to only eat, this is extreme, he ex- decided to only eat uh, honey and wild locusts. Why? So he could just be so, he didn't care about pleasures. He was like Moses, right? How Moses, it says in Hebrews that he di- directly rejected Egypt's pleasures to be identified with his people. He, he just said, John the Baptist said, I'm not eating anything. I'm not, I'm not like the steak and all the good stuff, the wine. No, I'm just going to stick to honey. And bugs, 
Why? So I can be so focused on God. And then he was like, the designer clothes, not for me. I'm going to wear camel skin. And think about the man of God. Think about how ripped this guy probably was because of he ate, because of the way he ate. Think about how much energy he had from, and he's so manly. Like you, how do you get honey? You can't just go to the, we have a place called Big Save here. You can't just go to Big Save and buy honey back then. He was getting it from the honeycomb. There's bees involved. This guy's getting stung while he's taking down a honeycomb and then eating raw honey <laughs> just for the energy of it so he can keep on preaching. I mean, talk about like a cool guy. Super cool. Why? So he can preach the word of God. You think Paul was like out of shape? You think Paul was like just all over the place, just doing whatever when he's getting shipwrecked, when he's getting bit in acts by, uh, what's it called? Snakes. And then shaking them off into the fire. These are men who put their health in God's hands and said, God, I'm not going to seek pleasures. I'm not going to seek any of that. I'm not going to seek to be unfeeling like fat, delighting in everything else. I'm going to delight in your word. Mm -hmm. And that's going to keep me on my on my feet and on this path. I can have the gospel of the, I can have the, the shoes of the gospel of peace. Mm -hmm. I have peace with you. And because I have peace with you, I don't have to delight in other things. I don't have to find my delight in alcohol and drugs and food and money. I don't have to delight in that stuff. I can walk in peace every single day. That's the way this guy lived. He said, I'm not, he's saying, I delight in you. I'm not going to let anything get in the way of me serving you the best that I can. And if I'm in a season where my health is out of my hands, it's a type of affliction that's in my hand that I'm doing right now. I am going to sing your praises through this. I think of so many pastors, so many um, people in the um, disabled community who through their affliction, through their uh, disabled affliction, through their lack of health mm -hmm. that is out of their hands, they're praising God. Talk mm -hmm. about a story. Only a person who can praise God when their health is bad is a person that can say they delight in the law of God. That's, and, and it shows us that God's word is worth delighting in. Mm -hmm. Everything else will fail you. Verse 71, it is good for me that I was afflicted. There's that word again, that I might learn your statutes. See, as he comes to the second to last verse, he's saying, as I'm meditating on what I went through, what I put myself through, because in the last couple of episodes, he has said something about, some of the affliction was from his own decisions. What I put myself through and what others have put me through undeserving. As I look back on that, God, I know it was for my good so that I could learn. Sometimes it's the only way to learn. I heard a pastor once say that he never learned anything the easy way. And I agree with that. Everything, almost everything I've learned, I've learned the hard way through affliction. Verse 72, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. God is good because he leads us out of affliction. He leads us through affliction and he leads us to joy and freedom and peace with him and fellowship with him. And eternal life is eventually where he's leading us. We already mm -hmm. have that eternal life now. When he says, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Not in the future. The second you believe in Jesus, you put your trust in him, you have eternal life. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. because this was the promise. God made Adam, Adam sinned. God, Adam had a son named Seth after having two kids, Cain and Abel. Seth was the promised child from Seth. Fast forward Noah, fast forward Abraham. God tells Abraham, I'm going to send my son a promised seed through your family. Your family is going to outnumber the stars in the sky. There's more stars in the sky than there is sand on the beach. Remember that. That's a lot of kids. That's us. And one of those kids, the promised seed out of those kids was Jesus. And Jesus was born of a virgin and lived a perfect life on our behalf, fulfilled the law, the law that made us right with God that we couldn't keep. He fulfilled it for us and then died for us. Experience an eternity amount of hell on a couple hours on the cross for you and I. The wrath of God was poured out on him. And he did all that perfectly. So God rose him from the grave. And when you trust in him, you have eternal life right away. That was the promise. If you have, if the righteous shall live by faith, Abraham trusted God. God counted to him that as righteousness. And so we are saved by grace through faith, the Bible says. Grace means getting something you don't deserve. God gave us salvation and eternal life. We don't deserve that. What we deserved was judgment, was hell, was wrath. That's called mercy. That's not getting what you deserve. Mm -hmm. So we are saved by grace through what? Faith. Faith is not of yourselves. It's a gift from God. God gives you faith to trust in him. And that is what saves you. Faith in who? Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the Son of God. Faith in him. As soon as you do that, you become a child of that promise, a part of Abraham's family, one of those stars in the sky he was talking about in Genesis. And that means you have eternal life right away. We have that right away. The law of God's mouth, verse 72 says, is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces because gold and silver pieces can't get me eternal life. I can't buy my way into heaven. I can't put God in my debt. Gold and silver pieces can buy me a lot of great stuff on earth, can buy me a Tesla, can buy me a Twitter, can buy me a lot of stuff and be very powerful, right? I can be like Elon Musk with all my gold and silver pieces. But if Elon don't know Jesus, doesn't trust in Jesus, Elon's going to go to hell. And all those who don't trust in him too will go to hell as well. Not because God is mean and, and, this, and he's wrathful and all this. No, we go to hell because we choose hell and because we deserve hell. Because we have turned our backs on God. But in his grace, he reached down and gave us eternal life. God's word is good because it's more valuable than anything else in life. Mm -hmm. take, a, take a rich person, make him sick, inches between his life. Does he want more money? The sad truth is, C.S. Lewis would argue, yes. There's a, there's, there's a simple fact that we choose hell. I'll leave you with this story. Um, in the New Testament, when Jesus talks about this guy, um, named Lazarus, which was, uh, he had a friend named Lazarus, but he also had this story that he told of a beggar named Lazarus. And there was a rich man and the rich man would eat crumbs would fall off the table and the dogs would eat the crumbs off the table. And Lazarus is begging, asking this guy for food. He says, no, the, the rich man dies, goes to hell. Lazarus dies, goes to heaven. 
Lazarus is up there hanging out with Abraham. And the rich man says, you know, send Lazarus down here to, you know, to cool my, my tongue. I'm in anguish in these flames. Stop. What? Send Lazarus down there. You're in hell. Why are you, why wouldn't you ask the opposite? Abraham, can I please come up to heaven? Why is he asking for Lazarus to come down to hell to him? That's weird, right? It's because deep down, he chose that and he doesn't want to leave. Then he says, and then God, and then Abraham says, there's a giant chasm between the two. And Lazarus is not getting across that chasm. He's in heaven with us. He's in every day he begged. Now he's finally, finally in paradise. He's resting. And you lived beautifully on earth, riches, everything, gold, silver pieces. And now you're in anguish because you rejected. Then he says, okay, well, don't send him. Just, you know, send him back to earth to my brothers to go tell my brothers so they don't have to come to this place. Even then, he's bossing Lazarus around. He doesn't say, can you please send me back to go talk to my brothers? <laughs> he says, no, send a stranger to go talk to my brothers because I'm not a servant. He's in anguish. He chose these flames. Wow. Pride comes before the fall. The only thing that can lead us out of the darkness of our hearts, and that is proof for all of us, mm -hmm. is the word of God. Mm -hmm. You take a rich man who is in his pride, laying there, knowing he's about to die. There's many rich men, many rich women to this day still don't want to hear the word of God on their deathbed. You can read stories about this. No, nope, I don't want to hear it. They have, they have you know, people like me, clergy, or ordained pastors, we can go into like hospitals and just write that we're clergy and they will let us come in and talk to people and pray to people. It's awesome that our hospitals do that. With, pray with people. Pray with people. Mm -hmm. I said pray for. Pray to people. Pray to people. Oh, sorry. <laughs> pray to one person. Mm -hmm. God. Um, but yeah, they let us come in and, and you'll be surprised how many people reject it. Mm -hmm. I was a, I was a, what was I? Chaplain. A, a chaplain for a little while. And you'll be surprised how many people reject it. They don't, I mean, within hours of their death, they know they're going to die. The doctors know. And they would send a guy like me, a chaplain, when I was working that job, to pray with them. And some of them rejected it. Mm. How, you think, how? Like, what else could they want right now? You know? And it's because we choose hell. And God says, I've chosen you, though. And I want to lead you out of that. Mm -hmm. This is more, this word, this Bible that you're, you heard me speak, the Bible that hopefully you have at home on your shelf mm -hmm. is so valuable. There is around two to 3,000 more original manuscript copies of this ancient book than any other ancient text that we still have lying around. Mm -hmm. Homer's Iliad, anything by Plato, anything by Aristotle. The Bible outnumbers it. By two to three thousand mm -hmm. original original manuscripts, original language. I mean, the ink dried on those mugs. And the thing is, all of them say the same thing. That's proof to these historians that this book is legit and reliable. Because yes. they all say the same things. I mean, finding three pieces of paper that say the same thing from three different strangers, <laughs> that's hard. Mm -hmm. But over 5,000 total. Incredible. This book is reliable. Over 500 witnesses 
seeing the risen Lord's body, the holes in his hands, walking the earth. They saw him with him, touched him, smelled him like they seen him. <laughs> That's over 500 people. And those are the people telling us these stories today and their stories corroborated. Like their stories went together. So we were watching this movie, A Case for Christ, and they said that cops, and I promise I'm done after this. Um, you can tell I like the new studio. Um, cops, when they look for like witnesses for people, they look and they see, do the stories add up? And sometimes when they add up too much with people, they know it's a lie. Mm -hmm. But when there's little differences, but the main point is the same, they know it's truthful. That's what they look for. So you read the gospel accounts, you see how there's different, you know, it says Salome was at the tomb when Jesus rose. And it all says Mary was there. You know, it all says a group of women, but which women were there gets lost in translation at times. People say different things. But the point is Jesus rose. The point is the main point of the story that didn't change across all the accounts of over 500 people was that they saw the risen Lord. Who was the first to be there? Who was the first to see that? Those are little details that just make it more legit mm -hmm. because the main story never changed. Mm -hmm. This book is reliable and it's more, it's more valuable than anything because this book points us to Christ and he is the reason you are alive right now. He is your maker. He wants to be close to you. He wants to be one with you. There's nothing else that matters. The only thing that matters is Jesus. Mm. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word, how valuable it is. Help us to look to you on those hard days, on those bad days, to see how good you are. And just we pray that you would just point us along your path so we don't stray away um, and use your word to do that. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this is the part of the episode where we ask you a question and um Help, it helps you apply this message to your life. So our question today is, how has God shown himself to be good in your life? How has God shown himself to be good in your life? Um, I've shared this before, but I just always think about when I met Alex, I really had a heart for ministry and I wanted to do like overseas mission work or something like that. I just wanted to be a missionary. I wanted to stop going to school, like eventually quit my job and like go um, and I also just a part of my story was healing from like my dating past and all of that. So I thought, okay, like I have to remain single and I'm going to like, I'm going to like do this. This is what I'm going to do. Pursue ministry. Um, but the Lord had different plans mm -hmm. and um, my plans were good. Right. But he showed himself good because he had mm -hmm. marriage in store for me and eventually it did live lead me to missional living um, as a mother. And now um, we get to live missionally here by doing the podcast. And so he's shown himself good when I thought my ways were good um, in the past. And it is always way better than what I could have cooked up or thought yeah. up. Um, and there was hard moments in that. There were a lot of people that came against us, friendships that changed um, because of our desire to be obedient obedient walk in obedience and get married at a young age and have children right away um, there's a lot of pushback and a lot of hurt and affliction that yeah even at times might have been like are we doing the right thing yeah. um, but 
God showed himself faithful. And by staying in his word, we understood that, um, you know, this is part of the Christian walk. Um, And so he has that for you guys too. You just need to get in the word and allow him to speak to you so you can respond in obedience. But he continues to, that's just one story that sticks out in my life, but he continues to show himself good um, even now, just with the things that we go through. And so it's our prayer that um, this message will help you see how good God is, even in the hard moments. And before we go, we just want to take a moment to thank all of our donors. Alex mentioned before, um, those of you who have partnered with us have allowed us to get some chairs and finish painting up here. And so we truly thank you. We could not do this without you. If you feel led to give or to support us anyway, you can visit amenpodcast.com. We just love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. We are excited to catch you next week. Until then, go out and be the church. Amen.